us. Everybody. Every time Bust. we come into a stadium, it's only going to be us. Y'all need to know that. We're coming here to fight every yeah. week. Let's go, boss. I got that. They shot me in Denver. You who knows? You who We're back in on a Hockey Tuesday edition of the program. 303-831-1340 is the hotline as well as the text line. It's both. So utilize it. We'd love to hear from you guys. We appreciate the interaction, the participation. Lots to talk about. Avs uh, puck drops tonight against the Predators who will be without, hey, sort. what's the goalie's name? Juicy Soros. Juicy Soros? Hey, Soros, guys. Nothing I can. Hey, Soros, Soros player, you know. Sorry, player. <laughs> so they're without their starting goaltender for the first two games of the series. I think the Avs go nuts tonight. I think the Avs go get five or six goals tonight, and uh, I feel confident about it financially. You know, in the you know season series, they did get worked by the Predators, uh-huh. but there was a lot of goals scored. In uh, in those games, so definitely take the over, and you know, the Avs are gonna dominate this first game here at home with the fans at their backs and a backup goalie in net for the Predators. It's gonna be tough for the Preds to even stay in this one. I think it's a blowout city. I think so too. You know, we we have fears because what happened over the last couple few seasons. Last season they were cruising through. Uh, the first round of the playoffs into the second round, they were up two games to zero against the Golden Knights and then were swept out at that point, four straight. And I don't think that's what's going to happen this year. I think they've showed they're better this year. They're a lot better than last year. So what? The best part about this whole situation for the Avs is this is the healthiest they've been all season long. Yeah. And is if- that on purpose? I, think, I mean, like, you can't pick and choose when you want to get healthy and when you want to get hurt, I, or I, I guess you, I should say first. But also, you kind of are now, um, through the schedule, gearing up toward being your healthiest at this point. Is that on accident or is that on purpose? I'm sure there's, you know, some strategy to it. But, you know, like you said, you can't really, you know, determine when or when you won't get hurt. So, but the Avs, they got lucky this time. And everybody seems to be, uh, you know, healthy and and ready to go for this year's playoffs. And if they get past the Predators, if Darcy Kemper's the truth, that's what this whole thing is going to come down to. And we'll see how really good Joe Sackick really, really is, especially when you had Grubauer last year, who did a good job. You had a guy like Carey Price who might have been out there who cost a lot. And you had a guy in Mark andre Fleury who was there for the taking. You could have had him. I'm sure they talked about it. I'm sure it was con- they considered that. But also, they're in the midst, when that trade happens, of one of the greatest runs in the history of the National Hockey League. Don Cherry. You know what I'm saying? They're like in the midst when he gets traded for. You don't think that's on the table? You know, that high- that's kind of upsetting the apple cart right when you're on a two-run stretch that's as good as any historical run in the history of the league led by darcy kemper who's broke every raw record this season right yeah he he looked he's really come on here in the later part of the season as well so it, it could i think they're well a lot the better than anybody else the Avs. i agree i believe that no i'm not gonna be scared i really think if they're able to get past the predators you hear that i'm not afraid anymore 
I'm not a fit. Remember that's from Home Alone where he comes yep. up and he's like, and then like he gets scared though again after the scary of neighborhood. Of course. Yeah. But really, if the Avs get past the Predators, it'll be a great launching pad for the rest of the playoffs to give them the confidence. You got past a team that seems to be some, sometimes your kryptonite, and then the only team that really stands in their way in the West is Calgary. Calgary. And Damn, don't talk like that. Really? Calgary and the Avs in the Western Conference Finals? Or do they, will they meet somewhere before then? Do they Western recede? Conference Finals. I think they recede. No, maybe they don't. I don't think they recede. I think they meet in the Western Conference Finals. Making stuff up. And that will be a treat to watch. They're going to get past the second round. They'll treat. probably face the Blues. Yeah. And they swept the Blues last year. But, you know, it's a, it's a new season. It's the, sweet. The, the Blues are a lot better than they were last year. And... They they'll still get the win over the Blues if they get get past the Predators. Blues aren't as good as the Avs this year. Nobody's Not close. as good as Nobody the Avs is. this year. Calgary's the only team I think can hang around with the Avs, and we'll see what happens at that point. The Wild, uh, I have concerns. Could talk about it. Well, didn't the Wild lose last night, or did they come back and win? Uh, I guess we'll never, never know. know. Let me ask. Did the Wild win last night? The Wild lost to the Blues yesterday. The final score was 4-0. to Yeah, they got worked. Whoa. And, uh, you know, yesterday as well, there was some some blowout hockey. Outside mm-hmm. of the Kings and Oilers, it was all blowouts. The Blues handled the Wild. The Maple Leafs hammered the yeah. Lightning 5-0. to Yeah. And the, the Canes smashed the Brewers 5-1. to So this first round, obviously, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a mismatch. For a lot of teams, and they just can't handle a lot of that firepower coming from the top teams in the league. I just think the casual fan, avalanche fans, such as myself, okay, um, guys like me don't realize how deep and how talented they are and how good they've been despite all the injuries this season. Um, historically great, not just historically great um, in the history of the avalanche, you know, or in the history of the organization, but historically great. In the history of the league for stretches of the season. So, no doubt about it. And, you know, I'm very excited for what they can do. And Kadri, it's it's critical for him yeah. to not get suspended. Yeah. And for. It's just exciting. It's a. It's, it's a reboot. It's, it's a, a, not a rebuild, but it's a reboot. It's, it's a just, uh, just a. It's just a. <laughs> it's a rebuild. Let's hear it at the end. It's a rebuild. It's a, it's a reboot. But it's not a rebuild, it's a reboot. Again, it's a, it's, it's, it's exciting. I'm humbled to be here, man. It's a playoffs. <laughs> it's a, okay. So yeah, let's go. I have to get it done tonight. What time does the game start? I think it's eight. Eight o'clock. Either seven or eight. Are we going or what? I gotta teach my class. <sighs> stupid kids. They're not kids. Some I mean, of them are older than me. Adults. It's seven thirty. Puck drop. Come on, man. School's for fools, man. Too cool for school. Little more hollow notes. I haven't been playing them enough lately. Yeah, what's your problem? You haven't so, noticed that. I was wondering what your problem was. I'm definitely gonna, you know, throw them in the mix a bit more. Nice. Okay. Join the conversation. We want to hear from you guys. Zach's gonna jump in studio with us on the, the other, other side. side. Uh, you like them? Uh, Not like Okay, okay, what are we doing here? Who's this? Is this in honor of Zach? Well, this is Kanye. Okay. This is Kanye, so. Yeah. 
Is this in honor of um, Pete Davidson getting Kanye's kid's initials tattooed on his neck? Did he really do that? Yes. That's kind of weird. Is it? I think it's kind of weird. Yeah. I think it's weird, too. Hey, Zach. That's odd. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Good so you we went to Vegas, covered the draft, had fun, saw some pictures of you on social media. I'd hope to see some more undercover pics of uh, maybe some other wild things that happen. I asked you to bring me some business cards from the strip that they're passing out. I didn't get any of those. Um, I used them all. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how was it uh, and the experience and um, how did it was the production of the whole thing there? It seemed to be pretty it was, awesome. It was really cool, yeah. Uh, I, I think Vegas is a place that has to have the draft again. It feels very built for it. I think the NFL bungled it by doing it. The original plan, if everyone will remember, back in 2020 was have it on the Bellagio. Oh, in the, the Bellagio water? Fountain, yeah. And they'd have the floating stage, and they'd either have a walkway for the prospects or uh, Why did like, that change? gondola them out. I don't know. I honestly don't know, but they had the whole strip blocked off, so like there was the viewing section. So was the whole after, strip was blocked up for the entirety of the. Not for the oh, entirety, but okay. like during the draft when it's, it was happening. Yeah. Um, so I think like Thursday, Friday, Saturday from. So where like was it Paris, set up exactly? From like okay. Paris, Paris to uh, about Caesars ish. Okay. Uh, they had the strip, which is like a block or two of the strip. And yeah. the, the blocks on the strip are ridiculously uh-huh. massive. Just blocked off, no no car traffic. So the viewing section was out into the street for, but that was all for the second stage. Yeah, which was such a missed opportunity because you're right there in front of the. What Bellagio, kind of security was there next to Caesars? There was good security. They had like uh, people in boats making sure no one was gonna try and hop in and and swim around the Bellagio. <laughs> but like the production in value boats? at the Bellagio <laughs> stage was so cool. They would shoot the the fountains up. And be projecting like prospects and yeah, teams like they do at Disney timers yeah, and stuff man, onto yeah. the mist. It was it was yeah, sweet. That's cool. uh, but then instead they did it over in like the stadium parking lot, the Raiders Stadium parking yeah. lot, and it was it was not as cool yeah. an experience or a, a, a venue as it should have been because the secondary stage, which is in the middle of the strip, you've got the fake Eiffel Tower right behind you. It was it was an incredible atmosphere, and I think they uh, uh, wasted it. Um, but yeah, I think the draft has to go back to Vegas. It was perfect. Okay, so initially the Broncos took a lot of heat, uh, at least in terms of people grading yeah, out their draft. Right. Um, I saw some people who had some high grades on their draft. Just following you a little bit on Twitter, you weren't with some of the picks, I think, at some of the moments mm-hmm. uh, in love with some of the selections, but let's talk about it. Yeah, I think Greg Dulcich, to me, summarizes this class so well. When I, like... Uh, Greg Dulcich is a really good player, but like the fit is is odd. Like everything negative I wrote about Greg Dulcich, and, and actually that's maybe not the best thing to say. He fully encapsulates it, but just in the sense where it's like, oh, okay, I like that with this pick, but I also don't like this. It's not like last year. Who was the tight end from Virginia? Slam, slam Jelani Woods. Was he still on the board when they took? No, he went early. Okay, well then. And so my thing is I would have maybe. Not taken a tight end at all then because he was waited, the next guy up, right? Wait until round four, I would have, or something like that. But my thing with Dulcich is he, do you know Mike Gusecki for the Dolphins? Yes, I do know Mike Th- That's Gusecki. his comparable. That's a good player. It is, but Gusecki's not a blocker. He's like a really big wide receiver. Sure. 
and that's cool. That's fine. But like, you've already got Albert O. The only blocking tight end you have on the roster is it, can't catch a pass. Is are you better you off having tight, end. tight ends who look and kind of do similarly the same things, or are we better off now for having a guy in Alberto, a guy in Tomlinson, and a guy in Dulcich who, in a lot of sense, all three of the guys can do all the things you need, but all three guys are unique and very different in their own. What's what's best? Do you think? So, so my thing, it, part of my issue is Dulcich and Okwebenam's redundancy. Somewhat, I think they are. Yeah, but don't you have to have a backup? You do, but like backup tight end with one of those premium picks when your quarterback notoriously doesn't utilize the tight end position. Listen, if you think that Dulcich is a fifth or sixth round pick, then we got a problem here. But if you think one, if one, if you're feeling better about them, you know, waiting one more round to draft him, if he can really play, it just really won't matter. The the issue isn't the talent; the issue is the fit. Okay, he's a top eighty talent in this draft. But like the, it's just it's odd. You, you're gonna want your guys to block, and he is like he. It's not a mentality thing. He has the effort. He wants to block. He's just too small. He doesn't really have the ability. Um, I think he's a fun receiving threat. There's an argument to be made that having a field stretcher like that is the way to get Russ to utilize the tight end position. Yeah. Um, you know, guys that are gonna attack the intermediate parts of the field Russ is never going to really target because that's not his style um but he, you would have liked to get more of a blocker because okay. blocking from the tight end position is is valuable he is kind blocker. of the is he the star of this class I think Benito is and I'm I'm more the more I watch Benito but look at I'm, the I'm way that Dulcich looks though I mean like hair, you know you got to have one guy like like you could say that Quinn Miners was one of the stars of that but, last but draft some of it, it was a fat belly that's fair. Maybe in camp and everything. Yeah. Maybe he'll be a star of camp. Yeah. But once the games start, because he is going to be that number two tight end. Tight ends typically struggle to transition to the NFL because they have to learn how to pass, catch, and block at the NFL level. Yeah. Benito's going to come in. I think it, if he's able to play in that designated pass rush role all year, which requires Gregory and Chubb staying healthy, home run pick. A-plus pick. My thing is, I'm worried about Chubb and Gregory's health. I think Benito's going to have to start some games. And I don't think, unfortunately, he's quite ready for that in, in terms of his run defense, um, in terms of his strength. But th- in my opinion, that's the star of this class. I do think that's a really good pick. Um, the more I watch him, uh, just a really, really special athlete. Uh, so there's been some Von Miller comparisons, and that's too rich. But like a better Vic Beasley or like a Hassan Reddick, a free agent, a lot of Broncos... Uh, country wanted the Broncos to sign this offseason mm-hmm. I think that's what he can be like a good 10 sack a season guy um, <laughs> a, eight ten sack. that would be huge if, so, and that's that development would be this huge. year I think you put him in on third downs and go dude he might have six or seven or eight sacks this season depending so on I think it'll be like four but it'll be a very effective well again four. if the Broncos are like if, he's not going to see much playing I don't know if everything goes according to plan the Broncos are scoring, you know, 27, 30, 32, 35 points a game. Well, then teams are going to have to be sc- throwing the ball in order to keep up with the Broncos or try to come back against the Broncos in the second half, which should give Nick Benito a lot of opportunities to go lay a smackdown. So, Zach, do you think with this Benito pick that this kind of stymies and stops the uh, Baron Browning to edge talk? Somewhat, and I think that was always overblown at least my understanding from what i've 
kind of been well, able Brown to gather is, a, an is athlete I think, and talented. He you, should stay on you the know, inside. You want to be creative with guys like that a little bit. I so. think you might see him used at edge, but I don't think it's going to be. I think it got blown up into this thing where it's like they're taking him away from linebacker and moving him to edge. And I don't. I I get the impression that 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 wasn't actually what was ever happening. I think it's always been. Um, he's our linebacker, but man, this guy is so, he's our, uh, uh, off ball linebacker. Um, but this guy is so talented. We can at times put him on the edge, mix it up, add a bit more of a speed rush. Now you have Benito, which does less than that, but I I think we're still going to see Browning on the edge. I still believe he's going to be a linebacker. It makes no sense to me because even if he is a pass rusher, that's going to be like a third down specialist role. It doesn't make sense to me to take off, take your best linebacker off the field for first and second down because you might want to use him differently on third down. That seems nonsensical. So, um, of uh, so we think that Nick Benito and Dulcich have an impact in on this team this season. I think we both believe that. Who's one more player minor for Dulcich? Okay, who's one more player um, within this draft class who um, will be a contributor to the team this season? A real contributor. Ooh, I, I might be able to do more than one, but I think Damari Mathis, their third pick, mm-hmm. one of my favorite picks in this the class. The safety from Oklahoma? Uh, no, cornerback from uh, oh, Pittsburgh. Oh, okay, yeah. I watched him initially. People told me to watch him as a safety because they thought that's how the mm-hmm. NFL was, was going to draft him. And I watched him as a safety, and I didn't really love him as a safety, but I loved him as a nickel corner. And it appears the Broncos are drafting him to be a nickel corner. They needed a nickel corner. He could probably come play right away, help there right away. Yes, absolutely. This is a team that's going to play a lot of dime. I would not be surprised if he gets the starting dime dime cornerback job early. Dime piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nickel, I think it's still going to be K1. They just signed him, paying him money. He's a veteran. He's probably better right now. But Damari Mathis, awesome athlete, a very physical player, which you absolutely love. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he's fantastic. He got one of my highest grades. My grades piece is out now, by the way, on my high sports, people go check that out. It's super in depth. It's like 3000 words on, on these guys. So I, I, uh, uh, it's fat. Check it out. They'll have all the info you want. It's but Tamari Mathis is super physical, uh, uh, great ability in the nickel. I think, yeah, next season, I think he's, you're probably starting nickel because K one's on a one year deal. And he could be a very, very high-end player or, there. Has exciting physical tools. What are you going to say, Jake? Little fluidity. Uh, another quick question about Dulcich. Um, do you think with Justin Outen being a former tight ends coach, he might incorporate the tight ends into his offense a little bit more, kind of getting Russ and the tight ends more involved with each other? Yeah, and I think so Outen might be a part of that. I think more than anything, it almost has to do with what how the Broncos personnel is different than what Russ has ever had in Seattle. Like, he did have... Jimmy Graham, and I, I don't think Jimmy Graham was fully over the hill then. I think be, uh, that was a mix of Jimmy being a little over the hill and the situation Jimmy not Graham being was the productive best for there. Jimmy. Yeah, but I don't think, like we said, Russell Westbrook, <laughs> Russell, Russell Wilsbrick. Will, Ru- no, Russell Wilson um, has really um, had elite Titans to work with over the tenure of his career. The Disleys. These are just bodies. Luke Wilson's, yeah. You know, it's like um, Tunyon. He's just a guy who's playing with a great quarterback, I think. I don't think there's necessarily... I mean, I don't want to cut his legs off and act like he ain't a player, but they there's elite special tight ends at the position, and there's guys who um, are who are made by, you know, their quarterback. 
And and I don't think the Broncos have any like truly elite special guys, but I think both these can be in like Alberto can't be good here too. No, they can be good. Can I it just, be great? Yeah, that's what I'm can saying. Can Alberto think... be great? What do you think? Can Alberto catch sixty balls for six touchdowns and six hundred really and fifty yards? And That'd that's where cool. I think he's. I think he's really That'd be good. very good. Yeah, but very like, very if we're good. We're talking like the elite tight ends of the NFL. Like, Pitt, I mean, like, there's not much Kelsey. better than that. Like production. Kelsey is at a whole nother stratosphere. That's what I'm talking about. I'm saying, I don't think he's elite. I think he's like tier two. But what I'm saying is if he goes for 60 catches, 600 yards and 50 yards and six touchdowns, that's going to be like a top seven tight end statistically. Yeah. And I'd say the tiers are like, there's a tier of four elite guys. I'd say there's a tier of like one. No, I'd say him. Who's in the other one? Kyle Pitts. Pitts and Kittle. Eh, Pitts, Pitts is, and Kittle, and I, I even put Waller Kelsey's there. in an extreme stratosphere of his own, and then I'll put those guys then they're in, in that. Then actually, they're in tier three. because uh, Kittle's in not, that group. Kittle's in tier one. Uh, then then, then I think Kittle o and, Kelsey. and Dulcich are hoping to be in tier three because I think whether or not we separate Kelsey and Kittle in their own tier. I think we're saying the same tier, stuff. I'm with you. I, yes. There's a tier between the Pittses and the Wallers of the world and yeah. the O's of the world, too. So I think... They're very, very good players. They're not great, but you drafted one in the fifth and one at 80th overall. Like, so what? They're your really good Be tight ends. Brees Hall. Brees Hall's. I the love truth. him. He was my he favorite is. running back. He's going to tear it up for the Jets. Have you heard my Brees love Hall that stuff? Backfield. No. What, what are you saying with Brees Hall? It's like my Javon Kamara yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, or my Javante yeah. stuff. I think you're right on it. I think you're right on it. I really uh, like shucks. Brees Hall. I've, I've watched Iowa State for a long time. My, my stepdad's a huge Iowa State fan. Uh, so I've watched a lot, a lot, a lot of Iowa State football. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brees Hall is the truth. Brock Purdy, bad at football. Not mm -hmm. good at football. But Brees Hall, Brees Hall is, gonna be is the, the truth. He had that stretch of like 30 straight games with a touchdown or 20 straight games with a rushing touchdown. Mm -hmm. And it's not like Someone Iowa should have taken State, him in the middle of the first round. Yes. And it's not like Someone Iowa... Someone should have taken Brees Hall like 10 or 12 or 13 overall. He's that kind of good. It's not like Iowa State was... Uh, uh, I, I don't know, just trying to chase that yeah. record or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would just give him the ball, and he makes stuff happen. He totally. has a nose for the end zone, which okay. I think is uh, sometimes funny, it. but it's... Literally. You want to do one more? You got to hang out. You're Because your stuff's all set up here. Yeah, I, I'll do it. You know what I mean? Cause, uh, <laughs> okay, 303-831-1340. There you go. Um, good old-fashioned pipe dope is what um, our guys... Um, Chuck Nasty smoke. So, uh, what were the uh, what were you drinking in Vegas? What were your your drink of choice? My drink of choice. I mean, did you like a mix something? Do you are you it just drinking a, beers? Are you a, margarita? You got like one of these big plastic tube things with we, like a straw. We did that. We okay, did that. yeah, you got to do but, that. Yeah, whiskey coke is like the good. Whiskey and coke. Look at you, style and sophistication. All right, um, Zach Seeger's in studio with us. We have Jake Meyer producing the whole product, making the whole thing sound great. He runs the show. I don't know if you guys know that, but he runs the show. Um, I run the show. And then I'm the talent. So the whole thing put together is it's pretty good, guys. I suggest you call the show, you text at us, you tweet at us. 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. Watch us at milehighsports.com. Got this little vintage throwback. Um... Uh, National Hockey Night, little patch here. Piece. You don't can see these on the streets, really. Got this from uh, Dan Patrick uh, back when he was at ESPN. Yeah, right. Thanks, buddy. That's Smiley Sports. Three zero 
1340, the hotline. And the text line, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. We played it for you. Oh, my. Jake, I appreciate you. This will be your new walk-up music, you know? I'll take it. I'll take it. This is my walk-up music. I'm... I'm Breaking every bonds record. Okay, well, let's do it, man. We, you're you're one of those. Um, there's only I think six or eight guys ever to be three thousand hit. You know, six hundred home run guys or five hundred home run guys. So, you know, you get you're you're young and you're productive already. Though, you know, as long as we keep you healthy. Thank you. Yeah. Well, no, no Dick Monfort situation. Yeah. No, it's like Chris Sabo. We don't want to find like a corked bat or anything like that. <laughs> or you know. So, um, okay, we, we got Zach in for one more segment. Uh, Jake, what do you got for Zach? Um, when it comes to the AFC West after the draft, who do you think had the best draft? Oh, it pains me to say it, but the Chiefs, the Chiefs killed it. I'll see if I can pull up all their picks here, really yeah. quick. But like first round, they get Trent McDuffie, who uh, Jr. covers the draft uh, with me here at My Eye Sports. Like biggest Trent McDuffie fan. Trent McDuffie's just like a rock-solid starter. He's going to come in, be a really good corner from day one. I don't think he ever is going to become like an all-pro or star, like superstar player. Yeah. But he's going to be, you know, just looking at how rough that chief secondary he's is. He's a honey badger he replacement kind of, or what? Yeah, I don't think he has that same like roving ability. Honey badger he definitely don't care. Does, doesn't have that same like elite athleticism, but yeah. he is uh, like words to describe him intelligent gritty work ethic motor rock solid dependable like that's that's what the chiefs are getting and Mm -hmm, they needed mm -hmm. it george karloftis is like the same thing in an edge rusher i think he's a little robotic and stiff and um i don't think i i don't know if he has the i don't think he's going to be like a 10 sack a season guy but I think he could be like a seven sack a season guy, yeah, um, and, and just consistently disrupts the the pass rusher. He's he, he'll be a pain for the Broncos. Um, those are two great picks. Uh, Sky Moore, like Sky Moore, was my I mean probably the best name the in the draft up there. Is there sure. a better name than Sky Moore other than the? Ooh, who, I think so. We got one with the hyphen. Ones. We got well. I think Nick Benito's pretty good. You know, Nick Benito well. Costa Benito's pretty good. There's, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sky Moore, like that's my favorite out of Sky the like, top receivers. It's just, in this it draft. sounds like Sky Moore should be playing in the WNBA though, like yeah. alongside Swin Cash. You know? Uh huh. Damn, yep. Sky Moore. Brian Cook, Wish good starting safety, very versatile. Leo Chanel is like a better Josie Jewell who can uh, blitz the passer a little this from the linebacker Chiefs position. Picks. Yeah, Damn. all of it. Darian Kennard, people thought might be a Broncos target around mm-hmm, 64 mm-hmm, if they wanted mm-hmm. a developmental tackle. Uh, instead, he's going to be like a starting guard for the Chiefs. That's a good pick. Just up and down. Uh, Jalen Watson, nice pick. Uh, the running back they got out of Rutgers, really nice pick. They they aced this draft. They had one of the best drafts in the entire league, um, uh, at least that face value. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't pan out, but I... I was upset watching it unfold live because they've honestly screwed up their last few drafts. Their last few drafts have not been great, and it's uh, uh, been part of the reason they haven't been able to take full advantage of this. You get in a weird Mahomes position run. sometimes when you have a Peyton Manning or a Patrick Mahomes. I think when you go into the draft, you start to take uh, risks and chances you wouldn't normally, and mm, you point. might get away from some of the things that kind of helped build the foundation a little bit to what you have. But, you know, yeah. that could be wrong also. Also, that you know, a quarterback allows you the luxury and the opportunity to maybe do some of those things. So yeah. you got to be, dang it, as general manager, you got to be um, willing to, I don't know, man, you got to have some self-control. 
Yeah. No, that have extreme, extreme emotional and self-control at all levels. And I want guys on my staff who are going to get fired up and try to make pushes, try to talk me into guys. But I got to be able to see clearly. And um, I don't think there was reaches in this draft. I think they got what they wanted. For the and, yeah, because I think that, oh, well, they 60 picks what on average, you know, below. So, I mean, like, if, if you really like a guy, he's on your board. If the guy is on your board and he's there in the fourth round. You know, and uh, he might have been there in theoretically in the fifth or the sixth round. I take the guy I like in the fourth round, a guy I like rather than a guy that I don't like that I'm not sold on who probably won't end up making my my ball club. But also, that's why I'm a consolidator of picks, too. If I don't like a guy, that's when I move up or move down. Yeah, so I agree with all that. I think the Broncos... I, I trust their process under George Payton. I don't think they're doing anything crazy. I'm sure they're listening to their board and everything. I think the pushback is more um, a, a disagreement on the, the prospects. And, like, I, I hate the the philosophy that's out there that's like, well, these are professional NFL decision makers, mm -hmm. and uh, you think you can scout better than them? Heck no, I don't think I can scout better than them. But I also recognize that, like, Hall of Fame level GMs are right about 30 to 40% of the time. So some of these picks aren't going to work out for George Payton. We can trust him, and I think we should give him benefit of the doubt. Do you think you should be really true to your draft philosophy? Yeah. Just stay pure and true to it, or are you willing to do things when you're on the clock or wherever the chips may fall that are going to um, not be something that you might uh, not be according to your plan or to your philosophy? Are you willing to be dangerous? Are I you a gambler? The, so, I think Or are you a gambler for just philosophy. four or five hands? You win four or five of those hands and you walk away. Yeah, that's self-control. Self yeah, I think there's it's, it's about all about knowing when to take your gambles. And they traded <laughs> up at points in this draft. Yeah. You know, or, or, or made yeah, they moved around. Trades to get some, some future picks. I think it's all about, yeah, knowing your moments. And I think that is staying true to your draft philosophy. If the question is like, because you can have a very aggressive draft philosophy, like the Saints are hyper-aggressive. People act like the Rams are aggressive. No, the Saints are like the most aggressive team in the NFL, and their draft philosophy is crazy aggressive. They traded up for uh, like a wide receiver and, and made all these trades to get multiple first-round picks and yeah. are, are absolutely insane. But they're consistent to that draft philosophy. They don't come in and just uh, uh, do things um, uh, impulsively. It's all strategic. It's all thought out. It's all planned out. Um, and so, yeah, I think you've got to stay loyal to your draft philosophy. But also, I don't think that prevents you from being aggressive and making those moves if you really believe in a player. If you have a player ranked top 100 that everyone thinks should go undrafted, uh, who, who cares what everyone else thinks? Go get your guy. You know, I remember GM. Josh McDaniels, when he came, had this board that was so limited. The guys weren't on the board. He had this tiny little board of guys that, you know, forced you to draft guys very, you know, very, way too high. And um, he just eliminated a lot of guys who, you know, were never even under consideration. And he was here in his draft strategy. was so He had never done it before. For one, you know, he wasn't. They got rid of Mike Shanahan. And essentially, because he was general managing and coaching the team. So they said, they were very clear, they weren't going to give anybody that kind of power again. They gave it, Josh McDaniels, I mean, like, talked his way, finessed his way into con 
complete like control over the team right right away. And while you know he missed on Tim Tebow, he sure hit on uh, Demarius, and he chose Demarius over Des Bryant, which was the right decision. And um, then though he went with those you know blew those Jay Cutler picks on Darcelnik Bath, and it wasn't Richard Quinn, it was Robert Quinn. Wait wait, it was Richard Quinn, the bust. Oh, Robert. Robert was the good player. Robert Ayers. Oh, Robert Ayers, but also there's a, a Quinn, Richard Quinn. Oh, oh, I don't remember that. Really? Let me see. I, here. I believe that was that was before uh, when I was following it. So Let's see, Richard, Robert Quinn, and Richard Quinn. I believe they're brothers. One was a player, and one stunk to high. Let's see here, Richard. It's Richard Quinn, Broncos. Did I get that wrong? Am I, am I ranking that up? Richard I, Quinn, Broncos, tight end. Here it is. Here. Um. Okay. He was drafted by the Broncos in the second round of the 2009 draft out of North Carolina, and he was, you know, he was, an, he was, an, he wasn't even a has been, Jake. He's a never, never was. was. Um, and that was just one of those Jake Cutler picks. Yes, that's right. Richard Quinn. His brother was Robert Quinn, though I think, who was a, a player. Rams, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I'm, yes, I'm looking yes. up uh, uh, the uh, Darcel trade right now. Oh yeah, two for Cutler. Where they get two firsts. Yeah, they got two firsts. Eight, one was 18th overall. Then they got a first in 2010, and a third round pick, um, too. So two firsts and a third. Yeah. And those turned into. Oh, let's figure that out quick. Um, let's go to break. But I'm interested in that too. 303-831-1340, the hotline and the text line. <laughs> we will come back and have a little bit less than 10 minutes worth of show left. So it's plenty of time for you to text us if you want to jump on. If you want to ask us or Zach something uh, feel free to do that it's a Taco Tuesday edition of the program back on their side it's Mali Sports yeah Spider-Man and Freeze in full effect uh-huh. you ready Ron? I'm ready you ready dude? I'm ready Slick are you? oh yeah take it down Girl, I must warn you. Final segment of the show. Zach's still hanging out, doing some work. Kind of hanging out. We'll ask him a couple things. There's only about six or seven minutes left worth the show on a Taco Tuesday. It's been a fun one. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate the interaction and the participation. We always do. Um, okay, so any final thoughts on the draft? What's next for the Broncos? Like, what are we kind of gearing up for and looking forward to now? Um... Any of these undrafted guys, the Broncos have an incredible history and legacy from Rod Smith to Chris Harris Jr. to Philip Lindsay of adding undrafted talent who's gone on to be stars, sometimes all time great Broncos. Yeah, you know, honestly, that's my uh, what I'm working on right now is working through these undrafted players, studying them, seeing if we can find any more gems because the the streak is r- really remarkable it here is. in Denver. I imagine one of them does uh, uh, hang on on the roster. So keep your eyes peeled on the website. I'll have a, a deep dive on that coming Chris up. Chris Harris soon. Jr. is a ring of famer, and I don't know where he's at in his career and how much he has left. But man, if he could find his way to another Pro Bowl or two, or be a part of a you know have a kind of a comeback season here, be a part of a good team for uh, the Chargers. I mean, he's a bona fide ring of famer. 
I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but... He'll be in the discussion. He's probably, unfortunately, ultimately a Hall of Very Good guy. I think he is Um, a Hall of Very Good guy, but he's a bona fide Ring of Famer, right? If he can get a ring or two, if if he were to go back to the Chargers and they get a couple rings with Herbert here, that would do it. What used to hurt him was the undrafted status. That used to hurt him. Yeah. Now it adds to the legacy of overcoming these all these other guys who were drafted the you know not only higher than him but like when you have an undrafted guy outperforming the guys who you drafted it's a double edged sword. This guy's great, but he's beating out guys you're super invested in and who you want it to work out for more than this guy. Yeah. So Chris Harris Jr. just had you know a lot of odds against him. He's 32 years old. He's a uh, first team all pro one time, four time pro bowler. And so that's where second I think- time. Um, I have to say this real quick. Second time, uh, two time, second team all pro. So he's three times all pro. I mean, that ain't nothing. That, that's special. Mm-hmm. That's very He'll damn get special. A look. He'll get a look. And and being part of the legendary defense yes, that won a Super absolutely. Bowl. Being a part of one of those iconic units is a huge yeah. boost. But I'd be curious, like, what, what's Rondé Barber's career look like? I can pull that up. Rondé Barber's a borderline Hall of Famer who I bet you I one it. day gets into the Hall of Fame. He's not in yet. Oh, is he not? I no, don't think he's, Rondé's he's, in No, yet, he's, no. In, he's on the outside. But, but, like, I bet they have similar accomplishments. I would say the undrafted good thing comp. might be part of his uh, legacy yeah, ultimately totally. and adds to it. No, I would totally. say it does still continue to hurt him, though, because it hurt him from getting on more all-pro teams. That's some of your best stuff. getting on more Pro Bowls and stuff. Of all the stuff we've done in a long time and since you've been with us, that Rondé Barber comp is some of your best stuff because it shows that you're – you know, didn't just start watching football two years ago like a lot of young guys. Well, thank you. How about this? How about this? But listen, five, five-time Pro Bowl, yes. three-time All-Pro, yes. part of a legendary defense as the and number one Super corner. Bowl winner. The comp is beautiful. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a ring of honor. He's the already ring of famous. He's a 2000s all NFL. He's in a, a 2000s All-Decade team. Yeah. Uh, Chris Harris is in the 2010s All-Decade team as well. Oh, those yeah, those um, careers are beautiful comps. And um, I think Rondé is a borderline Hall of Famer. And as you get further along, you know, away from the greatness of how special that defense was, Simeon Rice, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, um, John Lynch. Helped get all those John Lynch. Um, but he's, Rondé's not in the Hall of Fame right now. No, Rondé's not in the Hall of Fame. He's a borderline. I mean, again, he's he's a guy who'll take years. You know, you have to get the other guys into that defense or into the Ring of Fame, and then you appreciate the greatness of, you know, what he kind of was. So, But again, he was a third-round pick, 66 overall. I'll take the undrafted storyline better, the, you know, from Kansas. You know, one of the worst D1 football schools on yeah. Planet Earth. So, okay, what else? Let's we got like uh, three minutes left. So, Our, oh, go ahead. Go. Uh, uh, uh Montreal, Washington, mm-hmm. the no-name guy, maybe a bit of a reach that everyone's kind of upset about. Yeah, and, yeah. and I get there's there's plenty of reason to be upset about. It. I think they could have gotten a better guy later, and, and yada yada. Listening to this, the I think it's like director of college scouting or assistant director or something like that. From the Broncos? Talk about, yeah, yeah, you can find it on their Twitter. Talk, it's it's right after the pick. He's talking about like why they're excited for the pick. And there's definitely some PR, whatever being done. Yeah. But you hear him talk about um, the, the Sanford's coach said this is the hardest worker he's seen in 40 years ever doing it. Yeah. Um, University of Florida players, because NFL teams have a the, part of their interview process is a, a common question. 
who was the best player you saw? Who was the the toughest player yeah. uh, you saw? There's media people that do it too. So like ahead of the 2017 draft, Josie Jewell was a name I kept hearing a lot. Um, it's like, this was the toughest guy for me to play against. They had University of Florida defenders, multiple, say Montrell Washington out of Samford, not whatever Alabama wide receiver or whatever LSU wide receiver or George Pickens at Georgia who went in the second round and would have gone higher if he didn't have character concerns. That's interesting. It was Montrell Washington, the toughest guy well, they people, went against all year long. What that's, people are, that's meaningful. The hook is, well, he was my 60th receiver on the board. They're not drafting him to be a receiver. They're drafting him as a special teams uh, Dante I, Hall you know, I mean, again, he he's your sixth or seventh receiver, but he might be your special returner week one. So I agree. I would say the difference is they wanted to get rid of Deontay Spencer because they knew he was just a returner. Yeah. I think this guy, yes, he is a returner first. They, yeah, that's but Deontay Spencer had one touchdown over the body of work. I mean, it's like I, 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 he wasn't he ran his course of who they thought he could be. Yeah. And now you go get but another you don't, guy. You don't invest a fifth rounder in just a returner unless it is truly like Devin Hester 2.0. And I don't think Montreal Washington's that. I really do think they think he has receiving upside. And that's a positive. I don't know why why we're opposed to that idea. No, no, it's not. Uh, but that's the knock on but, him is because he was ranked so low on the overall saying, uh, receivers list. Well, but I think it's just people didn't know about him until he blew up his pro day. He had some really freaky pro day testing at like his 20 yard splits at 95th percentile mm -hmm. number. That's going to help him get off the line of scrimmage in the NFL. Um, yeah, I, I think he is a, a, a KJ Hamler insurance and it's tough to find an athlete like KJ Hamler in the fifth round. So he definitely falls short in some areas, but I think it's like Russ always loves these little burners downfield. You had undrafted guys like, uh, uh, DJ Moore and stuff in Seattle pop mm -hmm, off who mm -hmm. had that skill set. And that's what I think this guy can be. Yes, he is going to be the sixth wide receiver. And I, I fully agree with everything you're saying. I would just tweak it a little where I do think he will impact the game um, as a receiver and have a role there. Uh, and I think he could be pretty dynamic. One of my least favorite picks, but there's still a lot of fun to be had with that one. We talked about this earlier in the show and uh, what I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Who do you think had the best off season in general in the NFL. We got like 30 seconds left. Broncos? I mean, like you, you get a franchise quarterback and you, and you have Broncos, a roster ready to compete. Next. What's the other teams that got a quarterback? Browns? Like, I well, don't, it's the Browns that's next. And oh. then I said the, the best season, the offseason of any team, I said was Tampa Bay because Tom Brady came back. And Rodgers didn't move to Brady to Tampa. But those I, are easy ones. It's the Browns and the Broncos, but who else? The Is there Raiders. anybody else? What about the Colts? Matt Ryan. Colt, Colts is pretty good. What you about move the Bengals? You get Ryan. You get some good pieces. Actually, that's the one. Bengals had it. They're not getting enough love for it. One of the best drafts. They, they've they already. Well, fixed, and they had a great free agency, too. They did a great job with O-line um, in, in free agency. So they didn't have to worry about it with the draft, which is great because O-line's tough to contribute as rookies. And they got awesome corners. Daxton Hill, huge for them at safety and at cornerback. Love that pick. One of my favorite picks of the first round. And then getting Cam Taylor Britt in the second round, I would have been ecstatic if the Broncos got him at 64. So Bengals, they're staying atop the AFC, and I love it. Let's go. Uh, okay, Zach, great stuff. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Appreciate Good job. You, yeah, buddy. Uh, great job, Jake. We appreciate you as well. Andrew and Anilo are next. 
We love you guys. Good night, Sheila. Good night. Good night. Thank you, Sheila. Bye, Terry. Bye, Sheila. I'll never forget tonight. Bye, Terry. All right, Alan, whatever. Go inside. Bye, Sheila. Bye. See, you, see you, Terry. Bye, Sheila. I don't know if you heard me. Bye, Terry. Bye, Bye Sheila. Bye.